Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby. We are thankful that you have joined us today. This is the work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We're located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. You can reach us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, That You May Grow Thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Littmer, and I am one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. I'm Jacob Taylor, one of the evangelists. I'm Ross Oldenkamp, also an evangelist. Today we're going to continue our study of the life of our Lord Jesus, and we're going to be looking at him retiring, essentially, to Phoenicia. And it appears in Matthew chapter 15, verses 21 through 28, and also Mark chapter 7, verses 24 through 30. For our purpose today, we're going to focus upon the Matthew account, Matthew 15, verses 21 through 28. Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word, and his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Jesus left the land of Galilee and entered into the parts of Tyre and Sidon in the land of Phoenicia. And I think when you look at it and sit back a minute and think about the reasons why Jesus leaves are evident. After the feeding of the 5,000, if you recall back from John chapter 6, there had been an increase in the desire by certain elements of the Jews to take Jesus at that time by force, if necessary, and make him a king. That was followed by his discourse in the synagogue of Capernaum about being the bread of life, which caused a very negative reaction. And now we have the situation in our last program of the Pharisees being extremely offended by the Lord's exposing their hypocrisy concerning their traditions. A definite change had taken place. The ministry was becoming more dangerous. Yet there was still much teaching that needed to be done with the apostles, and they were about to begin what we'll call the final stretch that would lead to Calvary. There was a need for rest and seclusion. So Jesus went to a home in that region and desired that his location would remain unknown, but his fame had spread even into this predominantly Gentile country, and he could not remain hidden. As, as we mentioned earlier, this, this story is also found in Mark chapter 7, verses 24 through 30. And then there's something definitely um, worth noting in verse 24 of that chapter that isn't called out in Matthew's account, um, where it talks about um, 
And when he, being Jesus, had entered a house, he wanted no one to know about it, yet he could not escape notice. I think of the constant um, longing for people to see him, the constant uh, different pressures that he faced. But Jesus wanted to be alone and um, certainly can be is relatable in instances. Sometimes you just want to rest and uh, collect yourself, whatever it may be. Um, and he, but yeah, he couldn't escape notice. And then this uh, this woman's going to to come in. It shows that Jesus, even in the midst of wanting to be alone, wanting to in this in this instance wanting to be alone, was putting others first. Um, constant attitude all the time. Um, even when he may have desired other things at the time, he put other people first. And such a great attitude to add to our lives. You know, on that note, where it says he could not be hidden. Uh, my mind immediately jumps to wait a minute here's something Jesus can't do (laughs) Jesus can't be hidden can he can he really not be hidden Uh, does he not have the power to conceal his identity or to uh, temporarily blind the sight of uh, yeah he can do that I just think it's another example of Jesus Uh, he just doesn't go about using his power in a self-serving sort of way. Uh, he doesn't use his miracles uh, just in any old way that would suit him. Anytime he has a desire to do something, he just uh, snaps his fingers. That wouldn't be a whole lot uh, about the human experience. And yet Jesus, he came to be just just a, a, like us in that he was fully man and he knows the, the kind of things that we go through. The cities of Tyre and Sidon were mentioned in the passage, and they were two famous cities of the region of Phoenicia, which was really a narrow strip of country bordering the Mediterranean Sea just north of Palestine. The people of Phoenicia were a seafaring and a colonizing race. Phoenicia was some 28 miles long, with an average width of approximately one mile. Sidon was 22 miles north of Tyre, getting the location out of the way. A woman who knew of Jesus and had heard that he was in the area came to him with an urgent request. Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a demon. Several things need to be noticed about this woman and her request. First, Matthew says that she was a woman of Canaan. And Mark calls her a Greek, Syrophoenician by race. Is there a difference there? No. She was a Syrian born in Phoenicia, descended from the Canaanites. What is the significance of this Gentile woman calling Jesus son of David? Well, living among a mixed population of Jews and Gentiles, she'd heard this title applied to Jesus. She knew something of the hopes of the Hebrew nation that they were expecting a Messiah, a son of the great King David, who should preach to the poor and heal the sick, as she heard that Jesus had done. We know that the reputation of Jesus had spread into these parts and that persons from this country had come to him to be healed. We read about that in Mark chapter 3, verse 8, Luke chapter 6, and verse 17. There is no reason to suppose that the woman was a proselyte, but evidently she was a woman of a humble and religious spirit, open to conviction and an enlightened understanding. 
Yeah, notice the the things that are contrary to her. I mean, she has a really uphill battle here in trying to get a blessing for her daughter. She was first of all ignored, then she was excluded, and finally insulted. Okay, ignored, excluded, and insulted. First of all, Jesus answered her not a word. Well, that might be enough for some people to turn around and walk away. And then excluded by the fact that uh, he, he didn't come. His, his mission was not to her. He's come for a different purpose. You're not a part of the scope of this mission. And thirdly, insulted uh, by saying, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. So a woman who has everything against her, her race, her sex, even the disciples saying, send her away, uh, still ultimately is blessed because of her persistence. This is a situation where whatever the Lord's reasoning might have been, this woman was persistent. So much so that his disciples said, send her away because she cries after us. By her persistence, she was drawing the very type of attention to Jesus that he was trying to avoid. But his answer to the apostles indicates that they were asking Jesus to grant her request. However, upon closer examination, it appears that their request was selfishly motive. In other words, send her away, grant her request in order that she'd leave them alone. Jesus' response to the apostles showed that it was part of the divine plan that his ministry while on earth would be to the Jews, the lost sheep of the house of Israel. It is obvious from the gospel accounts that variations to this divine plan were few and granted to those Gentiles who displayed exceptional faith. If we follow closely the gospel narratives, it appears that Jesus left the house he was in and the woman followed after him. She was pleading with Jesus and came and threw herself at his feet in the dusty road saying, Lord, help me. Jesus' answer to her in Matthew chapter 15 verse 26 and Mark chapter 7 verse 27 was not quite as severe as it might first appear. By the use of the word first, Jesus suggested that there would come a time of mercy for the Gentiles. He uses the diminutive for the word dog, thus indicating a tame pet and suggesting rather the dependence and subordinate position than the uncleanness of the dog. By so doing, he gave the woman an argumentative handle which she was not slow to grasp, because concerning her response in verse 27 of Matthew 15 and verse 28 of Mark 7, Jesus had suggested that the domestic order by which dogs are required to wait until the meal is over before they receive their portion, but with a wit made keen by her necessity, she replies by alluding to the well-known fact that dogs under the table are permitted to eat the crumbs even while the meal is in progress, intimating thereby her hope to receive aid before all the needs of Israel had first been satisfied. Her great faith, caused her to receive the help she requested. That very hour, from a distance, the demon was cast out of her daughter. It is interesting that in the Greek, 
In Mark chapter 7 and verse 30, it reads, And found the child thrown upon the bed, indicating that the casting out of the demon had been accompanied by some sort of convulsion. But consider the faith of this woman. Even when Jesus was silent, she persisted. She listened carefully to what he said and regarded his assistance to her to be a mere crumb from the table of his abundant powers. She obviously obeyed Jesus and went her way when he sent her, believing that what he had promised had occurred. I, th- I think, I just I love numerous times in, in Scripture when someone is healed in, in various forms, how it talks about as once or immediately. I just find that so um, fascinating. And I, I think it's also important to see that Jesus, as was talked about, his his purpose, m- many times it, he was not going to get ahead of himself. Um, he was going to, this was the time he was going to do certain things. He didn't um, tell people to go, in some cases he healed people and say, don't go tell other people. Everything Jesus wanted to be done was done a certain um, period of time. So it was, Jesus was sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, but that time was coming. Um, and that this lady here is, is still provided for and taken care of by Jesus. Okay, that takes us to the next major point, and that is going to be what we'll call the third retirement and the ministry in Decapolis. It's found in Matthew chapter 15, verses 29 through 30, and in Mark chapter 7, verse 31, through chapter 8, and verse 9, and I think for our purpose today, we'll pick up in Mark's account in this particular event. Mark chapter 7, verse 31, through chapter 8, and verse 9. Again, departing from the region of Tyre and Sidon, he came through the midst of the region of Decapolis to the Sea of Galilee. Then they brought to him one who was deaf and had an impediment in his speech, and they begged him to put his hand on him. And he took him aside from the multitude and put his fingers in his ears, and he spat and touched his tongue. Then looking up to heaven, he sighed and said, Athratha, which is, be open. Immediately his ears were opened and the impediment of his speech was loosed, and he spoke plainly. Then he commanded them that they should tell no one But the more he commanded them, the more widely they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He makes both the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. In those days, the multitude being very great and having nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the multitude, because they have now continued with me three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their own houses, they will faint on the way, for some of them have come from afar. Then his disciples answered him, How can one satisfy these people with bread here in the wilderness? He asked them, How many loaves do you have? And they said, Seven. So he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves and gave thanks broke them and gave them to his disciples to set before them, and they set them before the multitude. They also had a few small fish, 
And having blessed them, he said to set them also before them. So they ate and were filled, and they took up seven large baskets of leftover fragments. Now those who had eaten were about four thousand. And he sent them away, immediately got into a boat with his disciples, and came to the region of Dalmantuna. Mark's account shows us kind of the uh, circuitous route that Jesus took, which ultimately brought him through the region of the Decapolis. Decapolis, by the way, simply means ten cities. Going from Tyre through Sidon would have taken Jesus through the northernmost part of Palestine and then into the east and southeastern regions along the Sea of Galilee. We know that Jesus had gone into Phoenicia seeking rest and seclusion and that he had encountered multitudes there. Perhaps his roundabout journey through Decapolis was undertaken for the same reason and yet he had encountered multitudes there as well. Yeah, this is Matthew's account uh, of the same story adds all these that Jesus was healing um, and, and doing all these great things for all these people and I, I think it's just amazing the attitude um, it, it, for Jesus and, and throughout obviously how awesome he is but that he's healed these people and then after these three days he'll say um, or after these days he says I feel compassion for the people um, they've remained with me for three days already have nothing to eat I think the attitude at least that could have been tempting for me would have been I've done enough for these people it's I've healed all these people, you know, that's, they can worry about the food aspect of it. That, that's not how Jesus was. Jesus cares so much and gives us far more than we ever would earn or deserve. And it just, uh, I think it's just an awesome thing to see about our Lord and Savior. The thing that intrigues me is the method of his healing in verse 33, that he put his fingers in his ears and spat and touched his tongue. I think it makes the point for us well that uh, God's God's ways are are sometimes different than than the way we would imagine them to be. His methods are are different. His healing uh, might not be just as we thought they should be. Kind of like Naaman, who who thought that he should be healed one way, but the prophet asked for something else. And, you know, God sometimes chooses his methods in order to remind us uh, of his superior ways and to uh, challenge the wisdom of men and to show that by choosing the foolishness of God, um, he, he really extols how much greater and wiser uh, he is than man. You know, I, I find that's kind of interesting, the different ways Jesus does the various acts that he performs, we could almost say that he was, that he pantomimed to this particular person what he was going to do. When you read the account, you know whether he put his fingers into the man's ears or into his own, whether he touched the man's tongue or his own, doesn't really matter. The point is that he was indicating to that man that he was going to do something, and by looking up to heaven, Jesus demonstrated to the man that it was going to be through God that he would be healed. I think it's indicating pity when it is told that Jesus sighed or groaned and said, meaning be opened, and this man could both hear and speak. 
There were those who saw this occur, and Jesus urged them not to speak of it. But the excitement got the better of them, and they published it widely. Once again, the reason for not wanting it announced seems to have been the desire to keep the excitement down. They did not obey him. It has been written by some, like most people, they would rather praise Jesus than obey Jesus. I, I just love, and it, it's similar to when Jesus heals the blind, for example, that um, the first thing they had ever seen or saw in a long time, or a period of time, was Jesus. I think it's amazing that for, for this man, the first thing he he heard or uh, ever or in a long time and the first conversation he was able to have without this um, speech uh, issue that he had was with Jesus. I think I just... It, it it's a minor note in the in the grand scheme of what's happening here. Certainly, um, this this miracle, but I think I just love that aspect of this story. You know, it's easy to uh, read this and think, oh, it's just another miracle. Wow, look at his power. Uh, but keep in mind that these miracles point to something greater, even than the actual event that took place. Uh, Isaiah thirty five reads in verse five. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the dumb will sing. The waters shall burst forth in the wilderness. Uh, he's describing the glories of the Messianic kingdom and the blessings that Jesus would bring with him. And he opens the eyes and the ears so that people would sing and, and that he would bring uh, joy. And think about those who have believed on him, how that our eyes have been opened, uh, our ears have been uh, unstopped, uh, and, uh, and our tongues have been uh, given the ability to speak. And so what shall we do with them now? How shall we then use our tongues Isaiah said we should sing, as in uh, praises to God. How should we use them to, to, to share the gospel? What is our response to this, to this uh, grace? Very interesting. You know, a great multitude, as seemingly always was the case, was following Jesus, and they stayed with the Lord for three days. In that time, their food supply ran out. This does not mean that they had been without food for three days. It simply means that they had had what they had had was now exhausted. Once more, we see the compassion of Jesus. He did not want to send them away to their homes with nothing to eat unless they would grow faint on the way. The interesting thing about this, and something that has caused considerable question concerning it, is the question of the disciples. Where should we have so many loaves in a desert place so as to fill so great a multitude? Were not these the same men who had asked essentially the same question before the feeding of the 5,000? Had they not learned? Many feel that it is illogical that they could have asked such a question again, but it is so illogical, or is it so illogical, as to render the account questionable? I don't think so. Among themselves, the disciples had seven loaves and a few small fish. After sending his disciples into the multitude to have them sit down, Jesus gave thanks for the loaves and fish, 
broke them, gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the multitude. The multitude numbering about 4,000, that does not include women and children, ate their fill, and of the remaining pieces there were enough to fill seven baskets. Those baskets were large hampers, not the small baskets in the feeding of the more than 5,000. Once their needs were taken care of, Jesus, the great provider, sent them away. Yeah, I mean, my initial response is, as you said, Greg, it's like how, just just amazement, just appalled at their slowness in heart to understand. But if I force myself to to think on this and I look at myself, I, I wonder if I haven't been in the same boat Uh you know, how many times have we been in a very difficult spot in life and we've prayed to the Lord and he's heard us and he's gotten us out of it and we're thankful in the moment, but then we move on until our next very difficult time. And a lot of times we may feel, you know, we may feel just like we did uh, when the first great trial came and we may have the same doubts and, and the same worries and the same uh smallness of faith uh and and it's 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 as if we too just like the disciples have forgotten the great power of god and forgotten how god has shown himself to be faithful and to love as a father loves and uh and he's given us deliverance and he's answered our prayers in the past why why do we also forget so quickly what he's done on our behalf Well, that's going to have to do it for this particular episode. Again, we want to express our appreciation to everyone who has been listening, and we encourage you to contact us at www.nkcofc.com. We'd love to hear from you. We appreciate so much those of you who have been listening and downloading the program. Just thank you very much. Until next time, then, thanks for listening.